0: Off
1: the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Hello, welcome to Fourth and Five, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I'm your host, Will Bazer, and I'm joined alongside by Darius Terrell as always. You guys listen to the Horse Cast channel, which you guys can find on any podcasting platform out there. Today we're going to be going over the Colorado game through the lens of the rest of the season and then going forward. What do we think about John Robinson? What do we think about Casey Thompson? What do we think about this defense? What do we think about Tom Herman? We'll give you the scoop and then look at the whole season in review. Darius, how are you doing, man? How was your game day watching experience? Watching the Longhorns whip up on Colorado 55-23.
0: Uh, That was the Texas football I grew up watching. I remember the uh, Big 12 championship beat down to Colorado where Andrew Kelson knocked out Joel Klatt. So it was a little bit nostalgic for me, but I enjoyed it. I know a lot of other uh, folks that watch Texas play on a regular basis enjoyed it. Some folks probably didn't enjoy it too, but we'll we'll talk about that later. right?
1: Yeah, I know some people are probably annoyed in the same way they were annoyed about Kansas State and giving them the question of where was all this talent this entire year. However, I think we need to get – this out in front of us before we get too far out ahead of ourselves, the fact that Colorado is bad. We, I mean, yes, it was a great team win, but let's just go ahead and get this out there. Colorado got forced into this matchup. Texas probably should have been playing a team like USC, Washington, or even Oregon. Carl Dorrell is a good coach. He's a really good coach. He's a, you know He took a team that really should have had no business winning any games this year and made them four and one. He came in after Mel Tucker left for Michigan State on February 12th. He, came, he was hired February 23rd, and then the coronavirus hit March 13th. So he had three weeks as the head coach of Colorado without any coronavirus issues. Their first real pre- football practice was October 9th. That's when they were first able to get on the field and start practicing whatever Carl Dorrell wanted to put on the field. So Colorado was dealing with that the entire season. Literally, they had one notable player at running back, and that is Texas' specialty is stopping the run. Colorado's quarterbacks also missed a lot of open throws, including three downfield on busted coverage and a drop touchdown. The plays were there. Colorado couldn't make them. It's large part because they never got to practice with each other because of the— I mean, really, this is one program that was heavily affected by the coronavirus and just unluckiness of coaching, hiring, and timing and all of that— on top of that, uh, you know, getting put into a bowl where they are just severely outmatched talent wise.
0: Yeah, and they were also missing guys. On top of all the stuff you mentioned about the super late start, you know, first practice being October 9th, and you know, it's just now, um, the end of December. Hadn't been long at all. It's been what about ten weeks? Um, mm-hmm. but um, you know, that's less than we get, you know, doing <laughs> doing freshman football all the time to get together. That was really crazy. But they also had guys suspended for that game. Um, they were missing a starting wide receiver, missing their starting center. Um, their best player on defense was his linebacker. I believe his name is Jake um, Landman. He got injured last in the last game against Utah where we saw Ty Jordan run all over him. Um, they were missing their best player on defense or missing two other starters on the defensive line. That was a really, like you said, even on paper and in reality. So it was, it was a mismatch. At the same time, it was still. From my point of view, it was good to see Texas actually put it into action.
1: Put away an inferior opponent like they did against yeah, Kansas State. Right.
0: For the second opponent in a row, I mean, you you know, that looked like old Texas. They were, you know, beating the crap out of people. And again, both of those teams were banged up. Both of those teams don't have anywhere near the talent that Texas does. But Texas should still receive some credit, and Tom Herman should receive some credit for them doing what they're supposed to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. It took a little while, but Texas did what they had to do. Let's go ahead and look at this offense in this game and going forward. And you have to start off with Sam Ellinger and what happened to him. You really hate to see the guy who is really the burnt orange hero. The guy who, you know, the broadcast made it well aware that he grew up rooting for Texas. He is the dream for every kid who grows up in Austin rooting for Texas. You want to be the starting quarterback. You want to be the guy who wins there and does really well. He did phenomenal here. He really did. Did he bring Texas back to where Texas wants to be? He got them damn near close. If his legacy is that he came here and he put all of his heart into this program and he, he brought Texas four bowl wins, I think that's a great legacy. It's not... You know he he's near Colt McCoy and Vince Young and James Street, Bobby Lane. He isn't quite there yet. If there is a tier two, that's where he is, and I think it's it's him and not many other guys.
0: Yeah. Um, so uh, here's the thing. And um, again, we said I've said this before on here. Um, a lot of respect for Sam Ehlinger as a competitor. There's no question. As far as you know, the college football purist. You know, the person that you know is all about. You know my school, my alma mater. You know it's not about the players. You know he—he's the guy that fits that college model that a lot of folks still subscribe to. You know the Tim Tebow kind of guy where I'm not playing for money. You know everything's fine at home. It's all about representing the team I grew up rooting for and putting my all into this program and representing the burnt orange. He's done. He's been a great representative of the program, and um, he's the guy that's gonna—I mean, he's gonna—he's gonna represent the program the rest of his life. You know they don't have to worry about him doing that. Or shaming the program in any type of way, um, as some others have, um, in the past, as far as being, um, on the field, we talk all the time. And you hear chatter all the time. And I've, I've talked about, you know, how being at Texas, man, there, there are a lot of talented guys that <laughs> they do great things in practice and they, they didn't get the opportunity in the game. Y'all talked about John Harris being a guy that broke out his senior year. Um, excuse my language, but bullshit. Um, John Harris kicked butt in practice on a weekly basis while I was there and he never got an opportunity. And when you see a guy like Casey Thompson, who's been in the transfer portal, you know, behind the scenes, you've heard, you know, hadn't always had nice things to say about being at Texas to see him get his chance and to see him be so prepared and look so good. I just Texas hadn't looked that explosive all year at any point, except maybe was that the Texas Tech game where it was that ridiculous shootout. But having a guy back there, that's a true dual threat, not a not a, you know, fullback run you over type of guy. Um, you, you see what it opens up, and you see all the you know different things, the way it, it just, everything runs so much more smoothly. I just think we've seen Sam Ellinger's, We've seen this program's ceiling with Sam Ellinger being in charge. He's had four years now. I'm ready to see something different, and if it looks like what we saw last night, truth be told, well, this should have happened a long time ago.
1: Yeah, but you really, you know, Sam Ellinger was a team leader. He's a guy who everybody on that team loved. I, I don't think...
0: I, I haven't seen that confirmed anywhere. I. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though. Even when he came out of the tunnel at halftime, I, I never saw the whole team gather around him or a bunch of guys around him on that sideline. I'm not lying.
1: <laughs> I still think it's hard to replace Sam Ellinger. Mm. You saw him when he was healthy and he was doing well. I mean, even in that game, he was doing well. He was ten for sixteen with a touchdown and a hundred and eighty yards. I believe 160 yards through the air. He was doing well. I mean, he was, there's no question about it. Now, you're right. Probably in a yershage offense, his skill set wasn't the best fit. But he is a good quarterback. He is a good quarterback. Is he an NFL quarterback? I don't know. I don't think so. But I think he's a good college quarterback. I think he's a great college quarterback.
0: He, it's, he's it's, a good college quarterback. I don't I feel like a great College quarterback He's not
1: an elite I think he's a great one though
0: <laughs> I think there's a levels I think there's good Great elite So no I agree there are levels But to be great He would have had to So just off the top of my head what Was it Herman's first year Does Erlinger 7-6 and 10-3 What was last year 8-5 and five, And then this year 7-3 32 We're looking at 32 wins And Just off the top of my head Real quick 9-14 32 wins And what 19 losses Thirty-two wins and twenty losses. Will that's not a great quarterback? Well, also the seven and
1: sixties, and not all of his all of those were his starts.
0: Not all of them were, but I mean, he was still part of those. uh, You you see what I'm saying, though? Like, I just Mm -hmm. you you, comparing to look at the top four, look at the guys in the CFP this year. Um, I saw the graphic yesterday. Trevor Lawrence is freaking thirty-one and one. Ian Books thirty and four. Justin Fields is nineteen and one. Like, it's just you know, I just think. To have 20 losses on your resume, those are elite.
1: Those are elite. I'm saying he's great. He's he's a he's a level below. He's he is.
0: So say go even to to Kyle Trask at Florida. We call him when you call him a great college quarterback. He's not elite, right? Kyle Trask. Even there, I think Kyle Trask over his three years, he's got like you know 11, 12 losses. I just think 20 losses on your resume over four years. It's, it's hard for me to constitute that average five losses a year with you at the helm, that being a, a great quarterback. I, I think we overrate Sam Ellinger due to his passion and because of his, you know, he's an Austin guy. Just all the stuff, again, all the stuff you love about college athletics, he represents, he embodies. I think we overrate him as a player a little bit due to that.
1: Whatever his legacy is, and it might not be done, he's still questioning if he's coming back. Which we'll we'll talk about in a second, but whatever his legacy is, it's gonna be a good one. In the eyes of Longhorn fans, even in the eyes I've seen of Sooner fans and AM fans, people, you know, they might hate him on the field that he plays for Texas, but it's not like it's Baker Mayfield. It's not like it's Kyler Murray, where, you know, you can hate the guy. Sam Ellinger is a guy who, like you said, you know, I've I've definitely seen Sooner fans who hate him, but I've seen Sooner fans who are like, yeah, I get the kid. I understand this. He He's a guy who, if he was a Sooner fan and he went to Sooners and, you know, he played for them and he did well as, as well as he did at Texas, I would still love him. Like, they get it. That's the legacy he, he's going to leave at Texas. It's a like legacy of a guy maybe like Major Applewhite, but I think it's a step ahead of that because of the passion he has for the Longhorns.
0: I agree with you. He's going to have – he's going to remember it as a, as a good college quarterback that that had everybody's respect. I will say this now, as we transition into the topic about him coming back, he's got a chance to mess a lot of that up if he tries to come back next year, still be the guy. If he were to come back and transfer somewhere else, I think that diminishes that legacy a little bit to some people because, again, you're supposed to be the burn orange guy, um, you know, mm-hmm. bleeding burn orange through and through. But, Will, if he comes back this spring, there's no way he can come back for a fifth year and not be named the starter. Because then you just got all type of awkward stuff going on in the locker room at practice, in that quarterback room, in the meeting. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? He cannot come back. If he comes back, he has to be the guy. That means you're going to lose Casey Thompson for sure. And just going based on the way Casey Thompson looked last night, I wouldn't recommend doing that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really hard. You don't want to say no to Sam Ellinger. But at the same time, I think you said it best. I think you've seen the ceiling. Or at mm-hmm. least – You've seen it under Yursich. I think he was a better quarterback under Tim Beck. I think Tim Beck is a much better quarterback coach than he is an offensive coordinator. He makes quarterbacks look good, but he doesn't. He's not really great at being an offensive coordinator.
0: I think ten win Sam Ellinger. That's the ceiling. I don't think Sam Ellinger because we've saw him. We've seen him throw interceptions and cost them games. We've seen him from. I don't think Sam Ellinger. I don't think you could win a national championship with Sam Ellinger as your quarterback.
1: Maybe. Maybe
0: they couldn't. They didn't win the Big Twelve with Sam Ellinger as their quarterback
1: in a year where they should have.
0: Exactly when everything lined up for you, it's mm-hmm. it's time to move on. They they owe that to Tom Herman owes that to the university, his program to move on again. Sam Ellinger is a Longhorn for life. Say he want to come back and just forget football. I want to coach next year, and he's got a job on the staff doing something. You know, and he'll go even when that and the coaches. Eventually move on to somewhere else. Sam Ellinger wouldn't even have to go anywhere else. He would still <laughs> likely be retained by the next staff. It, it gets to a point of where it, 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 you could be being a little bit selfish if he tries to come back again. You don't want to wear out your welcome. Again, the issues it will it could cause with the rest of the roster. You know, I don't think that's, that's something that we need to think about as well. What kind of trickle down effect does bringing Ellinger back have on other people? Is that what the receivers want? You know, is that what guys on defense want? Is that, of course it's going to cause issues in that quarterback room. I'm going to, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Cause I don't, I'm of the opinion that he's going to be, you know, if he enters the NFL draft, he's a Sam is draftable. Um, but it's going to be in a later round. You know what I'm saying? It's a earliest scenario. Um, you're looking at mid fifth round, you start looking at those comp picks, you know, end of the fourth round, that type of deal. So I, I think even later. Yeah it's, sixth, uh, likely, yeah. yeah, it's likely, yeah. Yeah, it's later. So I just think um, he owes it to himself to move on. I'm, I'm sure he's already graduated and things like that, man. Move on, take those next shots, take the shot at the league. And then, you know, if it doesn't work out, he got a hell of a cushion to fall back on with, with all his ties to the university.
1: 100%. I 100% agree with you. I think Sam Ellinger really worries about his legacy, it has been made known. And he's worried that if he doesn't come back, his legacy is going to be. That of one and four against OU, and you know couldn't get it done. But at the same time, well, I don't mean he, to interrupt
0: he, you. What difference, though? You said his legacy against OU is one and four. What difference does it make really if it becomes two and four? You know,
1: yeah. It, it and on top of that, he can hurt his legacy more if he doesn't do well <laughs> five, coming to right. next year. You're right. I completely agree. <laughs> so let's go ahead and look forward. Uh, if Sam Ellinger does not come back, you have a quarterback battle in this room. And it starts with Casey Thompson. Let's look at what we Casey Thompson did against Colorado here. He did phenomenal. Yes, again, it's against inferior competition, but just as you're able to tell that B. John Robinson was special against competition from Tucson, you can evaluate Casey Thompson's performance here. He was spectacularly mobile in the pocket. I mean, even on his sack, he evaded a guy who was right in his face. Unfortunately, another guy came free right into him. And then there was a play in that third quarter, which blew up on Twitter and was really fun to break down where he jukes a free rusher to the outside, steps back inside, is able to set his feet and throw a dime, a beautiful dime on a difficult throw to Cade Brewer into Cade Brewer's breadbasket over two defenders. That was a mind-blowing throw. And on top of that, he has tremendous touch and accuracy. I mean, you know, just on that play alone, you can see that. But you saw that on other occasions as well. You saw that On the 25 yard touchdown to Josh Moore, where he threw it over three guys to the position where Josh Moore could bring it down. It was a long throw, great throw. He threw two balls to Marcus Washington that were pretty good. One I had a little bit of an issue with, but the other one, where Marcus Washington got defensive pass interference out the wazoo, he threw it where Marcus Washington could get it. And it was a deep throw, it was beautiful. And I'm not even getting to the Calvante Dixon seventy three yard touchdown throw where he didn't even set his feet, but he threw an absolute dime. That's something that you've seen, unfortunately, Ellinger miss time and time again this year.
0: Yeah, um, just going back, me flashing back, I remember um, you know, looking at Casey Thompson as a recruit. Casey Thompson was the first quarterback commit in the class, and then if you remember well, Texas then flipped Cameron Rising from Oklahoma. Going back, watching him in high school, and Casey was a guy that changed high schools. I think he went to three different schools in three years. But just as a player on film, you know, you see a mobile guy with accuracy. He's got a quick release. Um, He's got a good arm strength. But you kind of wonder, in the back of your head, I mean, you know, I don't know how great the competition is in Oklahoma, you know, stuff like that. But then I I watched him. I remember him in the spring game last year. I mean, like, dang, Casey Thompson looks like he don't look – quick. Casey Thompson looked fast. The exciting part about it and why I think it works in Yursage's system, even though we've seen now that Yursich doesn't prefer a mobile guy, it works with Casey Thompson because even though he is mobile, he is athletic, he can run, that's not what he really wants to do. He does it as a last resort or if it's called on, you know, certain plays. Casey Thompson, the guy he wants to throw the ball. Even when he's moving around in the pocket on that play you talked about where he stopped and um stepped back inside. His eyes were down the field their entire time. Whereas, and I, I'm, I'm kind of starting to understand a little, even though I'm not happy about the decision with that. They ran off to Quentin Jackson and, and Jalen Milrow, There are some guys, those athletic guys. And I think it was the case with Quentin on that play in particular. He just talked about when he would have stopped to avoid that defender. That's it for anybody else downfield. Those eyes are going down. He's about to take off with the ball, right? But we saw Casey reset his feet lead his guy <laughs> he threw that from the near the left hash to the damn near to the numbers and on, on the right side and it was just that's that that can't be taught and that's what starts getting you excited and then you start remembering well Casey Thompson's dad played college football Paul Thompson was quarterback at Oklahoma I mean he's got it in his blood and no,
1: don't, don't remember anything that happened event the Sports Illustrated I mean I guess you can because this, oh, he was an OU player back then but let's Puts
0: that to the side. Well, I'm just saying, he's, he's got, he's got a baller, he's got ball of blood. Him. Right. No, I get it. I, and this is the thing. I really, I'm not even real familiar with the whole situation with, 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 with his dad. But I heard some stuff that happened. It's in his blood. It's exciting watching it translate. Cause again, I've always assumed that man, it's going to be Hudson Carr's job and everything, but you can't just give that man a job based on what he just put on tape, um, in front of the country. You even had guys like Lewis Riddick. Um, who's on ESPN every day? Right now he's interviewing for you know four or five GM jobs. Go, hmm, Casey Thompson. And made a made a gif about him taking notes. Um right. it's it's exciting, man, and I just think I think it's his time. And I and I'm a guy that wasn't a um I wasn't super high on Casey Thompson. I thought he would eventually be a guy that transferred out. But um I'm 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 putting some respect on his name right now. And I'm not trying to get, you know, too ahead of myself. Again, like we mentioned, Colorado's not a very good team, but just the decisiveness. Everything just looked, it looked, it looked, it looked really, really good, man.
1: Yeah. On top of that, if you bring Casey Thompson in and he's the starter, you can sell, I guess he has three years of eligibility left, but you mm-hmm. can sell Hudson Card on waiting and say, hey, wait for a year or maybe even two and let Casey Thompson take control. And then you're going to have two or three years of eligibility behind him.
0: And he's supposed to be a supposed to be a guy that's a, you know, he grew up in Austin, supposed to be a guy that bleeds for an orange, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: So I think that if Casey Thompson wins, you could keep your quarterback room healthy mm-hmm. potentially, potentially, if you can really give Hudson Card the hard sell.
0: What if Hudson Card were to win?
1: If Hudson Card were to win, I don't think Casey Thompson's staying. And then you have Hudson Card and a true freshman and then a backup a walk-on as your third street. And you're
0: probably not getting a grad transfer to come in, right, because he's going to already know you're going to play the freshman, the red, the red shirt freshman, right?
1: Yeah, no, exactly, 100%. But at the same time, let's not Garrett Gilbert, Casey Thompson. It's two different situations, right? Garrett Gilbert played against Alabama, looked very good. Yes, he threw interceptions, but he kept Texas in against the number one team in the nation after Colt McCoy went down, came in cold, and did well. And then I think he would have done well at Texas. And I could get into this. We, we could do an entire podcast about this. I think he would have done well if Mac Brown didn't change the entire offense from the spread to the pro style. That's a story for another time. But Garrett Gilbert did it against Alabama. Casey Thompson did it against Colorado, as you said. Again, let's not Garrett Gilbert him. The 69 yard run to set up the easy touchdown, the easier touchdown pass really helped. Casey Thompson settle into this game right off the bat. On top of that, he still had some issues that you saw, especially with progression. He gets stuck with his first read. You could see that. And you saw that, especially when he almost threw that pick at the beginning of the fourth quarter. He absolutely stared down Josh Moore, stared him down some more, and then tried to force it into a a guy who was right in front of him, right in front of Josh Moore, completely covered. He really didn't get past his first read a lot of times, but luckily Texas just was able to out-talent them and he was able to put the ball where it needed to be, which is great. That is a problem that Casey Thompson has had, and you still saw it in this game. Is He he has trouble getting past his first read.
0: Yeah, he's going to be a work in progress. And and let me say this, too, because you brought up Garrett Gilbert and how the philosophy changed, how how that really hurt him. If Texas does end up moving on from Tom Herman and a new offensive staff has to come in here, Pretty much everything we saw, I feel like you kind of have to throw it out because it's, it becomes a new system. Kind of like what Garrett Gilbert went through. He ended up, he went from, even though he didn't have a coaching change, they changed the way they were doing everything. He ended up, it's a new philosophy. So yeah, if, if Texas does end up making a change, um, at the top, yeah, last, last night doesn't matter as far as the quarterback position goes. We can throw all that out. You can throw that all out. As far out. as
1: anything goes, really.
0: Um, well, I would hope that I would hope. That the new guy would, I, I, I like Chris Ash, man. I don't, um. Yeah. No, I, I agree. But I wonder <laughs> if the guy keeps Chris Ash, right? I, I would, I would, I mean, unless he already has his guy, but yeah, yeah. Just, um, back, back to what you were saying. Um, what's going on with the guys in charge plays a big part in what's going on under center. I'm, I'm one of those guys that I, I, I want to roll. Last night has me excited. I, I'm, I'm not buying, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I understand Texas is one. Four straight bowls. I saw, you know, CJ making posts, folks saying stuff like, hey, here we go again. Here goes Texas, you know, ranked in the teams. Big bowl win, whoop somebody's butt. Here we are, top 10 or right around the top 10 heading the next season. Rinse and repeat. I don't think that's that type of situation here. Again, you're going to have a new quarterback heading the next year, you know, uh, reasonably. It's reasonable to think you're going to have a new quarterback heading the next year. You have a new ceiling for the program that we don't know yet or haven't seen yet. I think there's reason this time. I mean, there was reason to be excited last year. There's reason to be excited after George. I'm, I'm, I'm going to backtrack on that. I, I don't know. Well, I don't know how to tell people to feel about this. I, I'm choosing to be excited about it, but um, it's tough. This this is a weird spot right now being a Texas fan. It's weird. It's weird.
1: Yeah, deja vu. Casey Thompson, there's other issues there that you can see if you're really breaking down the film, where he puts the ball and certain parts. You know, yeah, he was throwing a bunch of dines, but there's a few plays I could break down and really nitpick where he's throwing the ball, where which shoulder he's throwing it to and how that allows a cornerback to make a play on the ball.
0: He's he he's not gonna be perfect.
1: But I think we've exacerbated the Casey Thompson conversation mm-hmm. because again, the quarterback battle is still gonna happen next year. And Jaquin and Jackson left. We should talk about that because again, it sets up for a quarterback battle. And really this has been a situation that's been coming down the pipeline for quite some time now. Is Texas is setting up for a thin quarterback room going into the next year. With Jaquin and Jackson leaving. It really sucks that Jaquin and Jackson was not gonna get his chance as soon as Yershich came in and Tim Beck left. Jaquin and Jackson had no chance. Right. No chance at all. On most. top
0: of the, the leg injury, it was it was a built in excuse already.
1: Yeah. So you had that quarterback battle coming in next year with Hudson Card and Casey Thompson. It's no secret that that the staff loves Hudson Card. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be interesting what happens, especially with this. If they're forced to use Casey Thompson over Hudson Card, what did you
0: think about them pulling Card at the end and putting in the um, the walk on? Isn't he gonna be back next year? Ben Ballard. Yeah. What did you think about that? I would have thought, you know, I would have thought Card should get every. It's like throwing
1: in Drayton Whiteside at the end of a basketball game or the bench guy, right? But you know, the guy and you're like, let him score, let him score, let him shoot the three, let him get the. Like that's what I was
0: yelling. I was like, let Ballard score, let him throw the ball. But just thinking, what eyes towards next year and towards his spring and the the QB battle, I think a little bit of opportunity was missed there. If if, you know, Ballard's not seriously going to be considered given the opportunity to compete for the job, right? Mm -hmm. Those snaps, I mean, it it can be argued that those snaps should have went to Hudson Card. You know, you want to get as much film of them as as possible. Yeah, probably. But maybe I'm just overthinking everything. Again, I was excited about what I saw last night. It was clear. That Texas was the more talented team. It was clear that Texas was, you know, they pretty much could do whatever they wanted out there. And that's, that's, that's what I grew up watching. That's what a lot of people listening to this podcast right now grew accustomed to. And that's what we want to get back to. And it felt good to, to, to be feeling that way again. And I think Casey Thompson or Hudson Carr, just with a new guy under center, we have a new reason for optimism. And that's not meant to diminish anything that, that Sam Ellinger has done. But yeah, moving towards the spring wheel, Thompson has to be the one that gets the first reps right to start it off. I think there are two guys that do similar things, similar skill sets. Will, you don't have to change anything. It's just, it's a straight up battle. It's a straight up battle. Neither one of them are going to have Troy Mariet, um available to him, but with the out of the way. Yeah. It, it's, it's, you got two guys, you can split those reps right down the middle 50 50. You can have a true competition. And I think no matter what. Um, the days of having a stocked quarterback room, Will, um, I think those days are over. I think you have to be willing to accept, regardless of, of who the winner is, that whoever loses the battle, you no, know, they're going to evaluate their options, and there's not really a whole lot you can do about that. That's just part of the game now.
1: Yeah, and we haven't even gotten to – you're talking about the talent on the field. We haven't gotten to the talent, mm-hmm. B. John Robinson. He is really good. I mean, really good. And, yes, again, it's against Colorado. We have to put that little disqualifier in before we say anything good or bad or really good. But, I mean, the guy is just phenomenal. The difference between him and every other running back I've seen, especially Texas, is if you wrap him up at the line of scrimmage, if it's a high wrap-up, that doesn't mean he's going down. That actually keeps him up and keeps him going. A lot of the tackles that he broke – on a lot of his big runs were at the offensive line where he looked like he was going down because, oh, big number, whatever, 90, whatever, grabbed him up high and is going to bring him down. No, he would break that and then go. And he has the burst, he has the speed, he has the acceleration to get to that next level. Now, it's that third gear where, you know, he buzzes past cornerbacks who are already going. I wonder if that's just, you know, he doesn't have the conditioning of there yet. But it's exciting to see where he is and the fact that he's already broken a record as a freshman. He's beaten out Vince Young and Jamal Charles and every other player. He's a record 8.1 yards per carry with over 75 carries. That's an incredible stat. And he probably could have gone 1,000 yards this year had it been a full year. Would he have had the summer, the fall, and more games to get ready for this level, and maybe even would have been able to do it? could they have played Kansas? You know, Think about how many yards he would have had against Kansas, right? He's obviously getting 200 yards in that game. He had 700 yards. That's finishing the season over 700. He's getting 200 yards in Kansas, of course. Like that Kansas team was trash. So he could have made a thousand yards this season if he would have had a full season. He's an incredible player. He's a special talent. I know we've been trying to hold back our crowning him, but it's hard. It's hard. The only thing I think holding him back was coaching over this game, and I think the only thing going forward that could harm him is him, either himself or uh, bad luck, really. Knock on wood. Do you want to throw some pleasantries B. John's way?
0: I mean, there's yeah, there's not a whole lot I can say that hasn't already been said. Um, like you said, there there have been a couple of times some um... – of course, these last two games have been the breakouts for where guys, or I thought you thought he was down. um, you can see guys in backside pursuit ease up, and then he breaks out of it. You said something about him, you know, conditioning and that well, I think he's he's in he looked pretty dang and he looks like he's in shape to me. um, I just think he doesn't have that third gear <laughs> he he can get it going. he goes from zero to sixty. he can hit it and get going in a hurry. I think just truthfully, I mean, he's not playing Arizona private school ball anymore. These, these guys are on scholarship too. But I mean, that, there's speed, elite speed is the easiest thing to see, right? It's the, it's what people notice. It's what's the easiest thing for coaches. At the end of the day, if you're faster than somebody, it doesn't matter. My scheme, like that's the easiest thing to see, but it's, it's also so overrated.
1: The ball vision, the acceleration he has,
0: his vision, his patience. Okay. His patience, the ability again, he gets from zero to 60 in a heartbeat and he makes cuts. Without having to slow down at all. Okay. And he should get credit for that as well. And of course, he's built. He's 20, 20 pounds. He's built like a tank. Catch the ball out of the backfield. He has no issue sticking his nose in there and pass protection. There's no excuse for, you know, was it, you know, the four straight three and outs in the second quarter where he ended up not getting the touch. Yeah. I
1: want to go. I kind of want to go over that. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's no excuse for it. I'm going to let you get into it. But at the same time, and as fun as it is, I, I, y'all, I get it. He can't touch the ball every play. And it could be somewhere we don't know the dynamics of what his recruitment was or what he wants, what he prefers. We got to understand, though, he's not going to be in there every series, and that could be for a variety of reasons. I'm high on B. John Robinson. I don't think there's any question um that he's got All-American potential, you know, during this time on campus. But, again, Kansas State was depleted defensively when they played them. They had safeties playing linebacker filling in. With a cast on his arm and and a, a wrap around, like they were, they were the walking wounded. Same thing with Colorado last night. Maybe it's just me being a little bit skeptical, but I'm not gonna anoint him yet again because it's just let's see it played out. You know, let's see it over a full course, of a full season against teams that aren't broken down, beaten down like Kansas State and Colorado were.
1: But again, he was a clear threat against Colorado. He was clearly a big reason Texas got off to the hot start they did and not having him out there was a big reason that Colorado was able to come back in that game. And when you look at the legacy of Tom Herman at Texas, the one thing you see time and time again is close games, games where they could have beaten this team, this team that they should have by a million. And they let this team stick around and it's different decisions that let this happen. And it almost happened in this game too. It's become a running joke where as soon as he lets off like two or three series where he just does really well, he doesn't touch the ball for another quarter. You know, with five minutes and 23 seconds left in the first quarter, he had 91 yards on five carries and two touchdowns. He didn't touch the ball until the end of the second quarter after that. The first three and out was two deep balls and then one screen to Jordan Whittington. Now they're trying to get Jordan Whittington in the game, and once he was in that game, he was... He did really well once he got free, but he didn't have B. John Robinson on the field. The second three and out, it was after Alfred Collins' interception, which we'll get into because that was insane. The first play was an outside zone using Rashawn Johnson. The second one was a middle distance completion, and then Ellinger forcing a throw to Josh Moore to the outside. They weren't worried about the run after B. John Robinson left the field. They were backing off on third and longs. There was no threat out of the backfield third and the third three and out another zone read this is where texas is like okay maybe we should get b john robinson the ball again except for colorado absolutely blows up b john robinson on the zone read uh, so sam ellinger makes the right call at the time which was to hold it he, and then he got blown up another underneath screen to jordan Whittington trying to get him going and then a deep ball which was actually pretty good except for the colorado quarterback made a great play on the ball so three series where b john robinson doesn't isn't the guy who is getting the ball on the play, just handing the ball off to him. So the fourth, three and out. Again, B. John Robinson, not on the field. Colorado changed quarterbacks. Texas let them hang around, even though the defense was doing everything they could. Colorado changed his quarterbacks, got a touchdown off of it. Rashawn Johnson, outside zone, screened to Woodard, which, again, I'm going to continue to say, I know people hate screens. They are effective. They are effective. They got five yards per screen. It was pretty good. But then an incomplete throw to the outside. Again, no B. John Robinson. Again, you you don't know what the deal is here. They probably sold B. John Robinson on being in a rotation of running back so that he has carries to bring to the NFL. But at that time, you know, Tom Herman, you're letting another team get into this game. And a team that had no business being in that game at all, ever, really. Texas should have blown them out the and the game should have been over before halftime. Texas had plenty of chances to do that. But... You let them hang around. B. John Robinson maybe doesn't have to have touches in the second half if you give him touches in the first half. Blow them out, you're up by 28, and okay, yeah, now Roshan Johnson can have more more touches here. That's the issue there, is why wasn't he getting more touches? Again, as you said, we don't know the situation there, but it brought up the question from a lot of fans of where was why was he not getting the touches or the carries earlier this year? And I think the answer is pretty clear, it's the Scorpion versus Texas Tech. He almost broke his neck against Texas Tech. And after that, they said, all right, you're having a little trouble getting used to the game, so we're going to bring you on a little slower. Whether or not they brought him on too slow is, is another question, but it's, there's a reason why after that game in TCU he didn't get as many carries or any carries, and then OU he got five. It's, they were bringing him back after he almost broke his neck trying to do something in high school that he can't do in college.
0: Yeah, there was clearly, there was an adjustment period. Um, I remember the UTEP game, Texas Tech game. Um, he was, he was still adjusting to the speed of the game, but it's clear now that he's, um, he's comfortable. He's adjusted as far as how, you know, how we use him, how they use him moving forward. I think he has to be a guy, including receptions and, and carries because he's, Bijan Robinson is going to be gone after this junior year. He's going to be, he's a three year guy. You got two more seasons of him, Texas fans. So enjoy it. Over these next 24 to 26 games, well, he's, he's gotta be, he's gotta touch the ball again, receptions and carries. He's gotta touch it at least 20 times. He has to. Yeah. It's coaching malpractice. You're, you're, you're doing your team a disservice. You're doing everybody involved with the program a disservice if he does not touch the ball at least 20 times. Now you
1: don't force forty carries. No, on him, no,
0: no, like no, 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 no. He can he can have 14, 15, 16 carries, and you can space him out however you want. Throw him the swing pass, throw him some screens, throw him on wheels. You can get him involved, get the ball in his hands. But like Texas had that dude back there, he returned he he returned the opening kickoff um, to start the second half. That's I don't understand that. We'll we'll look at it. I'll look at it last night. as just a way to keep him, you know, keep him. Find ways to get him get the ball in his hands. But you going forward, he's got to touch the ball. He's got to be a guy that's getting the 20 plus times a game. Otherwise, mm-hmm. this team will not, not reach their full potential. That's kind of what got, you know, their coach in the quote unquote hot seat, you know, heading into the season. People are seeing what they're capable of, but don't feel like they're always being put in positions to accomplish those things. If this guy doesn't touch the ball 20 plus times a game, every game the rest of his career, he was misused during this time at Texas. Period.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, So let's get to the wide receivers here. And real quick, we'll talk about this. We'll we'll get to the offensive line real fast and then defense. Wide receiver, Brennan Eagles, opts out. I have thoughts. Why? Brennan Eagles had less tape than little Jordan Humphrey. Had less tape than, basically, most wide receivers who left Texas early. Why is he opting out? Yes, he probably is going to do well if he even is invited to the combine. But... That's all he has right now. He has probably a few big plays on tape, but a lot of inconsistent plays. I always point to the one in West Virginia where he dropped an open touchdown in the end zone. Not the ones everybody's thinking. Open in the end zone. Let it go through his hands and hit him in the face. That's not a guy who is ready to leave his junior year for the NFL, especially in a position that is as loaded, as loaded as wide receiver is in the NFL. You don't leave at that point. You can't. You're leaving money on the table. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. If anything, transfer. But it makes no sense to go to the NFL. That is somebody getting bad advice or thinking they are better than they are.
0: I'll tell you what's going to hurt Brendan Eagles. It has nothing to do with on the field. I mean, well, just touching on the field real quick. All right. In in 22 career games, well, Brendan Eagles led Texas in receiving. That's yards and receptions. He led Texas in receiving one time in his career. All right, and that was Iowa State game this year where he had the what five for one forty. You remember the LSU game last year? where He had a hundred yards with a DB missed time the ball, so he had a sixty yard touchdown. That counts as a hundred yard. on field production is not there. But also when these guys come in and they start asking his coaches and they start asking, you know, weight room, you know, GAs and and folks that have dealt with him over these past um, three years. You got to remember, Brandon Eagles is the same guy that skipped practice last year and got himself suspended and things like that. There's going to be a list of off the field stuff. And we're seeing it happen right now with, um with Dwayne Haskins with the Redskins. He was the first round pick. will, and he just doesn't understand what all goes into everything that goes to the process of being a professional football player. And the process is going to hurt Brandon Eagles. The maturity and the stuff, the off-the-field stuff is going to hurt him. And when you combine that with the inconsistency on the field, the lack of production on the field.
1: It made no sense. It makes no sense.
0: It doesn't. It doesn't. And um I don't know Brennan Eagles, okay? I'm probably never going to meet him. I don't wish ill on anybody, okay? But I, I hope he gets invited to the combine. I hope he blows it up. But, I mean, it's just with some folks it's clear. There's going to be an adjustment period that's going to come for him. And I just hope when it does happen that people are around him that have truly have his best interests at heart and, and are going to tell him the truth. And I hope that he's at a spot in his life where he can he can take that advice and really understand it and use it um, to help change himself and improve himself. Otherwise, you know, the opportunity is going to it's going to pass on by. And I, and he's not a guy that would have the opportunity to, you know, come be a G.A. and stuff like that. He's He's got a ball out. Again, I don't know him personally. I don't know who the advisors are. I, I just, I, I do think it's a big mistake. But as far as Texas is concerned, I don't think it hurts the wide receiver room much at all. I think Josh Moore is an NFL talent. I need Josh Moore, and who, who knows what what the heck happened to him the last four or five games of the year after his he's got off to a hot start. But he's an NFL talent. There's a reason Josh Moore was kept on the roster last year, even though he was serving a season long, a year long suspension. Troy O'Marriott will be back next year. We got to see Calvante Dixon make a play. Jake Smith is still on the roster, even though he didn't get a target yesterday. We saw Jordan Whittington. Texas is not hurting for talent at wide receiver. What Texas is hurting for at wide receiver is a leader in that room. And um, I just think in a situation like this, it was a little bit of um, addition by subtraction. And you got guys like Brendan Schooler, who's not a star or anything like that, but he'll be a guy that can provide some senior leadership and it's gonna be his voice next year. So I think there was a little bit and you're gonna see a little bit of um addition by subtraction there just off of non football dynamics, if that makes sense.
1: On another note, I think if Brennan Eagles is looking at this and saying, uh, you know, what about Andre Coleman? You know, because there's inconsistent play throughout the entire season, you're saying where's Josh where was Josh Moore? Uh, where was anybody really? They couldn't get separation, that's a coaching issue.
0: I think that, oh, that's a that's an athletic ability. That's a that's a trust in your technique. I mean, he can do whatever Andre Coleman can drill, 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 drill stuff in practice. But if guys don't take it to the field, I mean, as a coach, there's nothing you can do. As far as a guy being able to get situation separation, well, um, as you go up per level, man, that's just a. I don't know how much that's coaching. Like, I mean, I, I thought you were, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I just cut you off. But um, if you're talking about the rotations. Now, that I can get in on, but I think part of what Andre Coleman is doing, and he's a guy that played in the league. I, I, I can assure you he can teach any route, any drill. He's got all that stuff down. I think Andre Coleman, and when you saw it, when you saw Eagles disappear, when you saw Moore disappear, you saw – well, Smith was out there last night. But when you have seen guys not in the rotation wheel, I think he's holding them accountable. He's trying to hold them accountable. And that's as – got to remember, he's an 18- to 23-year-old young man. And for some of them, that's the the first time in their life they're getting held accountable for anything. I I, I think I understand what Andre Coleman is doing and trying to do. Now, whether guys are receptive to it and, you know, whether fans, I don't, I mean, I get it. You want to see the most talented guys out there, but I get that. And hey, I was excited to see, uh, Avante Woodard looked all right last night.
1: Yeah, that's true. He did do pretty well. We're already at 45 minutes on the show and we're not even halfway through. Offensive line. The big question for Herb Hand. Why didn't you play around with the offensive line more? After having seen that game, you know, later in the season, Iowa State, I guess maybe that was too big of a game to start toying around with things, but you saw it against Kansas State and this. Maybe it was the fact that they're not playing against great competition, but keeping Jake Majors on the bench, even though Sam Ellinger had mentioned how good Jake Majors has been as a center, and even going farther back, not having recruited a pure center, and having to use Derek Kerstetter there to play center instead of offensive guard, which is where he is much better equipped to play and he is just a better player. There's a lot of questions that you have about Herb Hand this year that just were amplified during this performance. And I guess also for Tom Herman, why are we just now using outside zone in power? Why wasn't that used earlier on in the season where, you know, these guys are apparently better at performing that? Why wasn't Jake Majors or even Andrej Karic brought in for that right tackle spot? You know, Christian Jones didn't look better than Andrej Karic in that entire game or the game before that, right? Where was that? It seems like if you are the guy starting at the beginning of the year, you're going to finish that year whether or not you deserve it.
0: Definitely. There's there's something to that about, you know, with coaches having their mind made up, right, or, or being comfortable. I understand now, since this is my profession, and I've become a coach myself. This is your livelihood, right? This is how your family eats. Okay, you you're gonna put guys out there that you believe that you can trust. They're gonna do what you're asking them to do. And usually, you know, during the course of a season, and, and I'm not you know defending anything, but just explaining how it works. If you're not on that first unit, or even you know the the first as far as line goes, you're not one of those top seven guys. You know, the guy that two guys that rotate in. You're really spending most of your time during the season, will, on scout team you will get an opportunity on bye weeks, you know, to get some run against the first group and second group again, but there's not really an opportunity to truly evaluate guys during the season. So I think that's why you see, you see coaches, you know, oftentimes slow to make a move or make an adjustment because they don't get to see the guys during the week, you know, going against live bullets, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And even when you saw majors go against live bullets, he got bullied on the inside a few times. I mean, specifically, you look at the Roshon Johnson touchdown. I mean, that wasn't just that wasn't just an isolated incident. But there were a few times where he got bull rushed into the backfield. Uh, again, on that Roshon Johnson touchdown, you're right. He should have been down at the beginning of that play, but he was able to break through it. But the reason he was, should have been down is because Jake Majors got bullied into the backfield. I see what you're saying. You don't get to really evaluate these guys going into the year. You know, after fall practices.
0: And what you were saying too about Majors, about him still, you know, getting pushed back. I mean, you got to understand. They're fresh out of high school, and you're on the interior. You know, you're in there with some 320, 330, pounds guys. Like, it's very reasonable to believe that Jake majors needed some time to get his butt in the weight room and get a little bit stronger. And he and wouldn't
1: have looked that good against Iowa State, right, who had right. a really, really good defensive line. Right. He
0: would have struggled this se- earlier in the season had he been in there. And, you know, so I, I understand it.
1: But going into next year—
0: Yeah, you, you're set at left tackle. I think Carriage is your left tackle. He, he gave up zero pressures in both of these last two games. Yeah. Majors is your center. You know, Ungalau is your left guard. You got Denzel Okafor coming back. I was very excited last night to see Tyler Johnson. Um, play the entire ball game at right guard, number 72. Now And then
1: also you have Isaiah Hookfin winning
0: the wing. Hookfin, yeah. Hookfin didn't, um, and Tyler Johnson didn't set the world on fire, but he wasn't a liability either. No, he was and good. then Christian Jones had the one, he probably had three really ugly snaps and the rest of them, he was solid. Like the, the foundation is there for a, a, a solid line.
1: And on top of that, on top of that, there's Derek Kerstetter, who, as we said before, we were, You're saying, what if he just breaks it? There's no nerve damage. There's no muscle damage. It's just a clean break. Guess what? It's just a clean break. Yes, he's probably going to need three months of rehab, and he's probably going to miss the spring and maybe even part of the summer, but that means you get him back for part of summer conditioning and then all of fall ball.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome.
1: You potentially get back a starting right guard or right tackle who is immediately draftable.
0: Yeah, I think you will want him. I mean, he's shown that he's, I mean, he can play right tackle, but I think he's shown that he's at his best playing that guard position. But what that would also do, and I don't know how that would make some other guys feel, whether they would want to leave or not. But if you get back, Kerstetter, and you, you know, you got Okafor coming back, Will, you don't really have to go out and find a grad transfer no, anywhere.
1: That's your, that is your grad transfer.
0: You've got what you need. And now we go from bashing her hand to truthfully, Shoot, it seems like he's got a pretty solid thing set up. Part of the issue with him, too, is is recruiting, you know, the on-paper um, deal. It doesn't look good on paper for this this upcoming cycle, but I'm, it's, it's hard for me to criticize Herb Hand going by what I've seen from these young guys the last two weeks.
1: Yeah, but then you also have the rest of the season you're looking at, right, where you had an entire two seasons to teach them the inside zone and they just couldn't do it. But we'll talk about our Herb Hand stuff a little bit later. Let's get into the defense we're what 55 minutes into the show right now. We're just getting to the defense. Yeah, if,
0: if y'all are still here, if you yeah. haven't yeah, if, you're if, you're st- if you're still,
1: still here, we're just getting the defense because Texas over the past three defensive, three, four defensive coordinators. We talked kind about of Greg Robinson, they've always had a great first year. A great first year. You know, you, you saw it with Vance Bedford, who had a really good first year, and then his second year was historically poor. Todd Orlando. Everybody was like, oh, he's going to leave for a head coaching job after his first year, and thank God he's safe for a second year, and then after a second year, you get, you get rid of him because it was historically poor. Well, now you have Chris Ash, and this year, yes, it started off poorly because, again, we've talked about it, the coronavirus actually affected that side of the ball, but is he going to have that second year where most defensive coordinators in the Big 12 have of some difficulty? Here's why I think we should have faith in Chris Ash is the game against Colorado. What you didn't have for Vance Bedford and Todd Orlando going from year one to year two was returning production. Each time they lost a ton of guys. Vance Bedford, it was Malcolm Brown and his entire, you know, the cornerbacks and you know the Quandre Diggs and the linebackers and all of that. They went from that to, yeah, okay, Malik Jefferson's out there. But it's, again, it's, it's from seniors to freshmen. And then same thing for Todd Orlando. You have Malik Jefferson out there. You had Puna Ford. You had so-and-so and so-and-so out there, right? But then the next year, you bring in, yes, a top top 10 you know defensive class, but they're all freshmen. They're all freshmen. So you just lose a bunch of production from year one to year two. That's not what's happening with Chris Ash. I think the returning production next year and what you saw on the field right there gives me some hope for Chris Ash, right? He's able to use a scheme that's going to work pretty well at Texas and on top of that, have a bunch of returning production come back. You know, yes, you're not getting Caden Stearns back. You're not getting Chris Brown back. You're not getting Joseph Osai back, but just basically everybody else is coming back, right? I think the real question for him is year three if he gets it.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna just focus on it's going what will be year two and heading into year two. But um the progress we've seen from Ash this year has been extremely encouraging. I'm a Chris Ash fan. It seems like his guys, um there's not a lot, a lot of thinking or hesitation going on. I like the position he's put guys in on defense. To your point about what he has coming back next year, like you said, well, he's only losing. Um you're losing Chris Brown. I'm of the opinion that Caden serves is in a huge loss, and even Brown, you know, in a huge loss. You know, he's a he's a good player. Texas on paper, man, it's well. It looks good. It looks good on that defensive front. Like you said, everybody's coming back except Taquan Graham. Um, I do think he was missed a little bit last night. Vernon Broughton is not. He he still needs he needs time to get stronger and get in the weight room. There were times where he was not 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 moved off the ball. There's times where he was blown off the ball. Okay. But um, Alfred Collins is a stud. There's I mean. oh We don't. It's, it's, can we, yeah, can I'm we take a break, a whole time time. out, and
1: talk about that interception?
0: I was gonna say I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time on it, but um, go ahead. Have you ever seen something like that? I saw Tavian Sanders. Remember Jatavian Sanders highlight? He yeah. got a one handed pick on there of a screen. That was probably the only other time.
1: I think I under-evaluated Alfred Collins going in from high school to. College, I thought it would take a little bit more time for him to get to the next level because he was very raw in high school. He played very high and everything. I think Oscar He's Giles still raw, but yeah, yeah. I think Oscar Giles is a, a coach. big mm-hmm. reason for the jump of Alfred Collins, Sawyer Goryam, Welch, yep. uh, whoever, right on that defensive line. Mora Ojimo, Devondre mm-hmm. Sweat, Keandre Coburn, mm-hmm. Oscar Giles, and Mark Hagen—they are a power duo at that defensive line
0: yeah so while I was at Texas Oscar Giles was there and I, f- I feel like I've said this before I thought he was a tremendous coach I thought Dwayne Aquina, um was a tremendous coach and even as a kid even though I was playing on the other side of the ball I just I admired the way he and he had time for all of his players too he's teaching all of them he's coaching all of them Oscar Giles is a gym you know some guys you know also will like I don't know if he's ever thought about being a defensive coordinator but some guys are just born to, you know, coach that position to be an assistant. And he is, he's tremendous at what he does. And, um, man, Texas fans, uh, regardless of what happens with anything, um, I, I think Giles is a shoot. Giles, Giles should have a
1: lifetime contract. At <laughs> Texas. He
0: should have a lifetime job to be a defensive, yeah, defensive line coach because he, all he yeah. does is produce and he's done it his entire career. He even did it at freaking Houston. <laughs> Houston put three, four defensive linemen in the league during his two, three years there. So not named Ed Oliver, right? Yeah, Um, you won't find a bigger advocate for Oscar Giles and 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 his value than myself. All the talent is there on the defensive line for Texas next year. Alfred Collins, Keandre Cobra, and Tavondre Sweat. They just need to find somebody that can rush the passer. Um,
1: yeah, that Jack position is kind of a concern going into next year.
0: Jet Bush and Reese Leitl. I think Texas has to improve at that position, but everywhere else, man, is is it, sure looking good on that defensive front.
1: Yeah, you you love Jet Bush. You love. I mean, I've loved Jet Bush ever since
0: I saw his I do highlights. Not, I do not love Jet Bush.
1: I like his heart. I like the guy's heart. I like the guy, yeah. how he plays and how strong he goes every play. He's a guy who has grit. He's that guy. You, you're who, not
0: winning a Big 12 championship with Jet Bush as your starting jack. No disrespect to Jet Bush.
1: Yeah, no. I, and that's what I'm saying. He's not the answer. He's not. Reese Latow, yeah, he's good. He's good probably on the other side at times. He's okay. on On third downs. But you need a guy to come in here from a grad transfer perspective, maybe from the Pac-12, maybe Big Ten, somewhere, somewhere out there, who can come in and be an immediate factor. Or you need to get Jatavian Sanders ready fast and bring him in. That's the guy. Uh, fast, That's right? The guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can become you know the Alfred Collins type, where he is immediately. Well, even Alfred Collins wasn't immediately the answer.
0: Well, y'all can quote me here. You can quote me. Anybody listening to this can quote me. Jatavian Sanders is going to start how many games we play a year, 12, 13. Jatavian Sanders is going to start double digit games next year.
1: Yeah, maybe, but I think you still should bring in a grad transfer to and they are looking at a grad transfer right now to help bring Jatavian Sanders in that's you fair. Know, a little
0: slower. That's fair. I would I would I mean that makes plenty of sense. If you can get one, yeah. i I'm, I'm with it.
1: I'm not going to put all my eggs in the Jatavian Sanders basket at Jack, a position that
0: we've seen is very, very important. I will. I'm putting all my Easter eggs in that basket. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you've done that before. Uh, I guess it worked out at linebacker, right? You thought, you know, oh, man, we're missing on schooler. That we're screwed. But another position to be very excited about there, I think you extend Coleman Hustler right off the bat. Like that dude took a position that was a liability, a huge liability coming into this year. And turn it around. I mean, come on. Let's talk about DeMarvian Overshone. My God, that guy is incredible. He's the only guy who I know can give himself two nicknames by himself and it'd be okay. You have Agent Zero and the Arm Bandit. I think Arm Bandit's amazing. What, the arm have, bandit? you seen, have you seen all the yeah, tweets with it, all the yeah. arm bands? Branding. Hashtag branding, man.
0: Yeah, I don't know what the, he's tripping with all them bands.
1: On the oh, It's hilarious. It's hilarious. I'll let him do it as long as he can continue to do this, which is one forced fumble, one fumble recovery on that forced fumble, an interception, another almost interception, two pass breakups, six tackles with one tackle for loss. The dude from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, having an entire year with Coleman Hutzler, has been transformed. He is exactly what you need in this day and age as a linebacker. Thank God he's coming back next year, along with John, Juwan Mitchell. The only problem I have with him right now is, my God, make better decisions when you're going down for tackles, right? What is targeting?
0: Well, I, I got an issue with when somebody's sprinting up the field between the tackles, Right, Overshaw was turning his back. He was trying to cut the quarterback's legs out from under him. By the time he left his feet to launch, that's when the quarterback was sliding. and there's, there's nothing you can do as a defender. I feel like they I feel like they And I think that's why that they rule. didn't give him the targeting. Yeah, some, they still. had somebody in the booth last night with some common sense. But there are other places where he would have got kicked out of the game, man. I I, th- I think the rule needs to be reviewed where if you run between the tackles, you're not you can slide if you want to, but but I mean, and you're still protected as far as the rule 15 yards, but a guy can not shouldn't be able to get kicked out or ejected for somebody sliding between the tackles. I think that needs to be looked at. Darius, are
1: you a baseball fan?
0: um i i'm very familiar with the game i don't know if you You know what a balk is a balk yes
1: it's a trick question nobody knows what a balk is just the way that nobody really knows what targeting is well they know it when they see it Mm -hmm. but the rule doesn't make it very clear basically at the end of the day it is just the ref saying or the umpire saying please don't balk please don't target yeah
0: so with the targeting here's my thing with targeting i think the rule, and it says in the rule, but it should be all about you're trying to judge the intent. All right. If a guy's head is down and I get it, you learn about that. But if his head is down and clearly trying to turn to the side to get the shoulder in there, it's again, they're supposed to trust to judge the intent. You see what I'm saying? So here's my only thing with the target and I think it gets missed. Oh, there was contact to the head. Yes. Okay. And it's going to happen. You're playing football, but in the rule book, it states the intent. And I think I don't think I think that gets overlooked sometimes, where the emphasis just isn't enough on what the actual rule says and the spirit of the rule. Yeah, but, um, no, but I, yeah. I agree. I completely yeah. agree.
1: I think subjective rules like that right. leave a lot of questions. And you know, you see that sometimes with pass interference and stuff like yeah. that.
0: Yeah, yeah. But um, to your point, though, Mitchell and Overshone should be considered. That's got to be the top linebacker tandem in the in the in the conference next year. You would think. Oh, of course. On yeah. paper, even though Terrell Bernard is returning at Baylor,
1: and even then. The guys behind them were exciting last night. I mean, that's that's why I'm saying Coleman Hutzler, man, wow. Because David mm-hmm. Benda, David Benda last year, I mean, okay, he, he did all right. Lost, you know, he, lost he, he was lost. Mm-hmm. He had no idea what he was doing. Benda and Ford, Jalen Ford,
0: Ford played well,
1: mm-hmm. looked phenomenal, especially on that goal line series mm-hmm. versus Colorado. Yes, Colorado yep. scored, but the two plays on second what was it second and third down, mm-hmm. they start off Jalen Ford and Benda. Both made an incredible read on the quarterback to comment and stonewall that backup quarterback. Very next play, running back down the middle. Who's knifing in from both sides to stop the running back from even getting close to the goal line? Benda and Jalen Ford. Mm. The next play, who is there to to take on Jarek Broussard? Benda and Ford. Yes, Broussard is just, I mean, honestly, he is a really good player. He really is. And he's really good after contact. Uh, he made a lot of times where there was four guys around him, and he was able to take a, a loss and turn it into a game.
0: Mm.
1: Again, he did that. Okay, keep your hat to him. He beat your guys, but again, it, it makes you excited that you can take guys who were clueless at the beginning of the year and turn them into what they were against Colorado. Again, Colorado not great, but. That's an incredible improvement for guys who you were just like, all right, they're just bodies on the roster at this point.
0: And even a guy like uh, Jaden Hullaby flashed on special teams with a big kickoff. So yeah, it's exciting. Future
1: he hit him so hard they're like that has to be targeting, and they looked at their like it's
0: not okay. Future is always exciting, but no, we had tangible evidence, you know.
1: And we're not even talking about the secondary. I guess the secondary is not the most exciting part of this line defense. It's really that front, but. I mean, you have to be excited about where you have a corner. You have to be excited. He, obviously, you're bringing back Deshaun Jamison and Josh Thompson, and Josh Thompson made an incredible play. He might have got away with a little bit of interference, but that's what happens in this game. He made, an, he made incredible play after incredible play, and then so did Deshaun Jamison, almost intercepting in the end zone. Like, those two guys are really good, and then you know they're so good you have to bring Jalen Green and, and Anthony Cook to different positions because those guys are just your dudes, and they're coming back next year there's nothing but good things that can happen there really uh, if as long as you keep a consistent staff here, you know on the defense at least I think the only question you have is that is at safety and maybe even at behind chris adamora uh, because Anthony Cook did not look great. I mean he's looked good in other games though, but Jaron Thompson still has a ways to go, I mean he got beat on the flag route deep that set up Colorado for their their first touchdown. Jalen Green. You know, it's interesting. Him, He's out there. It's really interesting to watch him out there. He, he's a guy who could succeed at that position because of how athletic he is. Uh, but, you know, you lost Xavier Alford this year going to USC. He's following Naivar. You have guys back there, you know, Tyler Owens maybe, but yeah, he doesn't he look ready either. He some
0: run last night.
1: It's a big question mark, that safety position. I think that's the biggest question mark you have on defense going in next year. And even then, it's not that big of a question mark.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know about it being a huge question mark. Um, I mean, I mean you BJ got,
1: Foster's still there.
0: BJ Foster's still there. Um, he's got plenty of experience. Jalen Green has plenty of experience. And like you mentioned about his athleticism, I'm kind of interested to see his, his, you know, when he's in center field type of scenarios, how he looks. I think he has a mm-hmm. chance to, to change the trajectory of his career because um, he's been a little bit of a disappointment at cornerback. Um, Anthony Cook's a guy. He's a guy without a position. He's, he's a safety. Chris Adamore, you know, those, those spur guys are in a wear position, you know, they're kind of, I don't know. I don't know what to think about them. But, um, your cornerbacks with Jamison, um, Jamison is what he is. He's a guy that's going to always, and you know, he's a little bit of a gambler. He's going to get beat at times, but he's also got the ability to take the ball away.
1: And that's what um, happens at corner. You're going to get beat at corner. Yeah, and, so, and
0: you, 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 you want guys that would have the ability to take it away from you, you know, get the ball back for you as well. He's one of those rare guys that can do it. So you'll live with you know, some of his undisciplined stuff sometimes. Um, Josh Thompson's a good player. I think he's going to be a good player next year. I think he'll carve out a few years in the league at some point.
1: He's going to pull the Charles O'Menohu, where he goes from not drafted at all to a pretty good player in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I, I think Josh Thompson ends up being a you know six, fifth, sixth, seventh round guy. But um, and then behind them, the two freshmen. I got to, you got to see Keaton Crawford and uh, Jaday Barron get some run in the second yeah. half. Um, just on paper, on paper, man. Hey, well, on paper, Urban Meyer is a fool not to take this job. But no, <laughs> really? um, yeah. Honestly, on, yes. on paper, man, it looks good. And again, last night, you know, for the for the glass half full kind of folks. I'm with you. You know, last night, something to get excited about. For the glass half-empty kind of folks, I'm with you there too. End of the day, you're going to have to choose yourself. We can't tell you how to feel. You're going to have to feel how you want to feel. I think the best thing possibly for this program moving forward is continuity.
1: Looking forward, the biggest question marks you have going into the next season on the roster, this is purely on the roster, is you have a question at quarterback, obviously, because you know you have Casey Thompson versus Hudson Card. We'll see how they are against better competition. We never really got to saw them against a team like Iowa State or a team like Oklahoma or even a better defense. Uh, like I mean, even Oklahoma State has a better defense than what we saw against these two teams. You know what happens when Casey Thompson doesn't get his first read, mm-hmm. right? Or what happens when Hudson Card is able to actually throw the ball and actually play? There's another question you have at wide receiver: How's Troy O'Meara going to play? Yeah, we saw he's he was a practice. Fiend, right? He's really good. We saw all the t- the clips I put out uh from his ability to play in practice. You know, how does he do when he is your big threat, right? How you know what is Jake Smith gonna be here next year because he's you know, maybe he's upset. It, it, what's Josh Moore? Is Josh Moore gonna take the next step? What's gonna happen to your wide receiver position? There's a big question mark there. And then the biggest question mark on defense is how are teams going to adjust to Second year of Chris Ash, now that they have some tape on him at Texas. All right. How is Texas going to deal with a safety position here after, you know, Chris Brown leaves and, you know, you're starting with another guy out there? BJ, you know, BJ Foster, will he take the next step up? I think those are your next big questions roster wise. Next week, we're going to go ahead and get into a review of the season and what we think of Tom Herman and what we think of. The season at large, you know, there are six really close games out of the 10 they played mm-hmm. You're 13 points away from a perfect season. You're also 18 points away from four and six. What do we think of Tom Herman and his staff picks? Because that was a big thing coming into this year. And can you fire Tom Herman after a seven and three season where you didn't get to play LSU, USF or Kansas? You know, you could have been 11 and three in this year, right? Which would be pretty good. Would be pretty good. We'll get into that next week. But I think for now, that's going to be it for 4th and 5, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I've been your host, Will Bazer. You guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. My man DT, where can we find you?
0: Hey, y'all can find me in the same place, D-T-E-R-R-E-L-L-0-5. Hit me up. A lot of y'all do. Um, I'm available.
1: Give me a few thoughts on that Navs beat down to the Clippers.
0: Uh, Clippers didn't show up to play. Um, No Kawhi Leonard. Nothing to really... You know, get too high of him. I mean, hell, it's third game of the season. Luca's out of shape. He's fat. Um, need to get Porzingis back. Dallas is gonna have to make a trade, man, at the, at the, at the deadline and not even necessarily for this year. But, um, if you want to be able to, first off, you got an expiring contract with Hardaway and Johnson, stuff like that. If they want to be able to add a star, um, Dallas has never done it due to free agent market. I think they've got to make a trade this year at the trade deadline and who that guy is. That's what they need to be figuring out, um, over the next two months or so. Um, as far as preparing for moving forward, but this year, even with what they have right now with Porzingis, I mean, Dallas would have, the goal for this team is to make it to the second round. I think, I don't think that changes with any move you're going to make this year, but it's early, man, and you can't, you can't be into that. That Clippers game don't mean nothing. Just like the loss to the Lakers. I just and it was the, funny. The I just Suns was game. On. Yeah. That, it, they didn't show up. <laughs> they didn't show up at all. That was, it was embarrassing from a professional so standpoint. Any
1: other, que- any other thoughts you have? You want to leave us off on?
0: I think Oklahoma whoops Florida's ass tonight, even though I don't know if Texas fans wanna hear that. Oh, actually this is gonna be come out tomorrow, all right. Never mind. Uh
1: you can still you can still say that. You can still say that. Hey, um
0: Hey, you know what, Will? Really, we could've there shouldn't have been a college football playoff this year. We could we should have just skipped straight to Clemson and Alabama and we could have been done with it. Um this yeah. this is being forced. Most years there should be eight teams in my opinion, so we can get in the five power fives. And then three at largest. But this year we could have went straight to two, you know, straight to the championship game. A lot of this stuff is, is meaningless. Even the win last night, Texas fans. So just take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt in this bowl season. And, um, y'all stay safe out there, man. Stay safe on New Year's. Apparently it's a new strain. You see the, you see the COVID deal, man? Mm hmm. It's all a the new strain. In the United it's, Kingdom. Yeah. It's a new strain and stuff. And I know folks about to be out this weekend, New Year's Eve party.
1: I hear it changes your accent. <laughs>
0: But um, folks about to be out, man. Just just be safe because it's it's not over. It's not over. And um you know, I just True. just just, just, Stay just be safe. smart. Mm-hmm. Be safe. Keep yourself be safe.
1: And uh yeah, I guess that's the end of the Texas season. Yep, Sad. it's over.
0: That's a wrap. They would have been ten and three this year.
1: How many days until spring ball?
0: Oh, and I don't think Sam Ballinger was injured.
1: Hot takes. Hot takes to end it off. So you guys can find other hot takes like that on texas.thefootballbrinex.com. That is texas.thefootballbrinex.com. You can find a writing there. You can find, uh, you know, updates on the potential of a coaching search or getting new commits and whatnot. All your info and all your news is right there. On that note, y'all, thank you for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Hook'em.